Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is News Folder 19, formerly the Dakota Rustler Show, voted better than CNN by a group of one, me. This show is 19 minutes of sense, sarcasm, and occasional wit, or as close to 19 minutes as possible. Don't forget the sponsors page at CampRidger.com. That's Camp R-I-D-G-E-R.com. There you will find links to the best tasting no-salt spices ever created, at least in my opinion. No salt allows you to salt to taste and those on restricted diets to enjoy the product also. In addition, the new store shop dot newsfolder 19.com should be up and running sometime later today or by this time tomorrow with that let's get started number one and Unless you've been living under a rock for the last two and a half days, you know Hamas has attacked Israel. So what caused the attack? The exact reasons for the attack are not clear, but there has been growing violence for months between Israeli soldiers and settlers and Palestinians in the West Bank. First of all, it is clear. Listen up. Armed settlers have attacked Palestinian villages, militants in the West Bank have attacked soldiers and settlers, and there have been repeated IDF raids on Palestinian cities. The long-term reason is quite simple. A 16-year-old blockade of Gaza by Israel and Egypt that has almost destroyed the Strip's eternal economy and has caused hardship for the people living there. In addition, extreme religious nationalists who are part of Israel's right-wing coalition government have repeatedly called for the annexation of Palestinian territory against international law, I might add. They've been annexing Palestinian territory for over 70 years and they won't stop until they have conquered it all. Netanyahu, in my opinion, is the Middle East Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I said it. Israel is a nation carved out of Palestinian lands in 1948 by the League of Nations, now called the United Nations. Half of Palestinian lands are just forked over at that time to create a new nation. How would you like to lose half of your property and have it handed over to someone else? Whether you own woodlands that you sell for firewood or farmlands you grow crops on, imagine half of it gone instantly, almost overnight, for no reason other than to give it to someone else, especially a religious enemy. Palestine is less than 25% of what it was prior to 1948. Lands they owned for over 600 years. Just shredded. How long is 600 years? Let's just say my family has been in America since 70 years before the Declaration of Independence was signed. 600 years is 
twice that long. Here's another reason. Israel's surveillance of Gaza is intense. It monitors activity, communications, and daily life via state-of-the-art surveillance equipment, including drones flying over the Strip. It also relies on human intelligence via informants, many of whom are blackmailed or otherwise coerced into assisting Israel. In retaliation, Israel is likely to use full force of its military might to crush militant activity, not just in Gaza, but also the West Bank and East Jerusalem. In the process, a huge number of Palestinian civilians are likely to be killed and homes and infrastructure destroyed. Israel's been doing this with hardly any motivation to do so whatsoever. Many people in Gaza just want to get on with their lives, free from the blockade and repeated wars and conflicts. They resent the restrictions imposed on them and the fear instilled in them by Hamas rulers. However, others are driven to take up arms by the lack of hope and the misery that is characteristic of life in Gaza because of Israeli actions over the years. Remember, there's a blockade. Stuff has a hard time getting in and getting out. They are the aggressor. They see militant action as the only way of asserting themselves and fighting for a better future. So there you have it. If you listen to my podcast, you know that I've stated numerous times Israel is not innocent here in the Middle East. They are just as much of an aggressor and an oppressor as every other nation in that area. New story number two. The U.S. House of Representatives became leaderless last week after hardline Republicans narrowly won a vote to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy, a first in Congress. For those of you who don't know, the House Speaker is second in line to the President after the Vice President. This leaves Republican lawmakers with the task of replacing McCarthy, who said he would not run again. So I ask you, If you were a Republican lawmaker, would you have voted for this? It's hard enough for a group of any size to decide on anything, let alone a group of 435, since members of both parties get a vote on a new speaker. And the timing of this is terrible. It's eating into the time lawmakers have to avert a potential government shutdown, which would begin on November 18 if Congress fails to pass legislation providing more funding. However, if they can't agree, it'll probably just be another extension. And this brings up a whole new conversation. Should the government shut down? Part of me says, sure, this is great. After all, let's face it, every time a shutdown is threatened, what's the one phrase you always hear? Non-essential employees will not be required to go to work. So here's my question. If they are non-essential, why do citizens have to pay taxes to have them employed in the first place? They're non-essential. That's like me, acting as the government, forcing my neighbor, acting as the taxpayers, to pay money because I want to provide goods to someone else I don't even know in another state 
oftentimes because they are not willing to work however long it takes to afford such goods themselves. Again, if they're non-essential employees, fire their asses, dump them, can them, get rid of them. We don't need that service being done by the government. It was not clear who might seek to succeed McCarthy in a job that has proven challenging for Republicans in recent years. The last two Republican speakers, Paul Ryan and John Boehner, retired from Congress after clashes with their right wing. Republicans need to get their act together. McCarthy made his job even more difficult. During numerous rounds of voting on his bid for the speakership in January, he agreed to changes to the House rules that allowed any one member of Congress to call for the Speaker's ouster, setting the stage for Representative Matt Gates to do just that. So yes, you can argue that McCarthy screwed himself over. Just one member, one out of 435. No, those who represent us, I don't care which party, aren't too intelligent. You don't let one person out of 435 block what's going on. As one representative stated, that rule is like giving everyone in the house a lighter, pouring gasoline on yourself, and hoping no one is crazy. Need I remind you, this is Congress. You know the answer to that question. They're all freaking crazy. Number three. Tha Kung. That's a name. Tha Kung was little when his family immigrated from Myanmar to America, and for much of his time in Dallas schools, he took courses designed for children who are learning English. In fifth grade, his standardized test scores showed he was a strong math student, designated for honors classes in middle school. Under the Dallas school system's policy, hoops to jump through, such as parents needing to sign him up for advanced math, or a teacher or a counselor recommending him, don't exist like in other schools. Tha was automatically placed in the advanced course because of his scores on the Texas Star Test. Imagine that. Being placed in an advanced class because of meritocracy as opposed to political correctness. Chalk one up for common sense. If you knew you were smarter in a certain subject than another person was, wouldn't you expect to get the nod? Meritocracy is how a nation becomes better. Political correctness is how it becomes worse. Versions of this merit-based approach will soon be replicated statewide as part of an effort to remove barriers that can stand between bright students and rigorous courses. A new Texas law calls for every student who performs in the top 40% on a 5th grade math assessment to be enrolled automatically in advanced math for 6th grade. The rollout could provide lessons for other states. 
leaders across the country are confronting the need to prepare a new, diverse generation of workers in science, technology, engineering, and math. Enrolling in advanced math in sixth grade clears the way for a student to take Algebra 1 in eighth grade, which leads to courses such as calculus and statistics during high school, which in turn can set a course for a high-paying career. Another example is at Sam Taspey Middle School, where dozens of students in room 304 calculate the area of parallelograms and trapezoids. One of them, Alexis Grant, who's 11, thinks her year in 6th grade honors math will pave the way for achieving one of her goals, studying at Harvard. Alexis states, quote, I knew it would be challenging. We push each other to get the work done, unquote. You know, I remember in my junior high school years, two other students and myself were always in competition to see who could complete math tests the quickest. The competition motivated us. It made us better. We wanted to top the other person. To this day, I can remember numbers far better than I can remember names. It's just what's in my head, math. And what makes this story even better? Despite what liberals will try to convince you of, in places where this has been put in place, the classrooms have become more diverse, not less, with far more black and Hispanic students completing Algebra 1 in 8th grade. New story number, what am I at here? Four. Picketing began Wednesday morning at Kaiser Permanente Hospitals as some 75,000 health workers went on strike in five states over wages and staffing shortages, marking the latest major unrest in the United States. Well, perhaps a government hadn't mandated vaccines and medical rape in the name of COVID, there wouldn't be a shortage of staff. A lot of nurses quit because they weren't going to allow themselves to be jabbed with a vaccine that had completely non-existing long-term history of safety. The coalition of Kaiser Permanente Unions, representing about 85,000 of the health system's employees nationally, approved a strike for three days in California, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington, and for one day in Virginia and D.C. A three-day strike. Ooh, really? Oh, how brave. (laughs) That's not even 2% of the work year based on five days a week. The strikers included licensed vocational nurses, home health aides, and ultrasound sonographers, as well as technicians in technology, x-ray, surgical, pharmacy, and emergency departments, but not doctors. Kaiser states it'll bring in thousands of temporary workers to fill gaps during the strike. Wait a minute. If there's a staffing shortage, where do they think they're going to get the temporary workers from? Uh, doesn't work out, does it? The answer, of course, is they aren't. 
Unions representing Kaiser workers in August asked for a $25 hourly minimum wage as well as increases of 7% each year in the first two years and 6.25% in each of the succeeding two years. Kaiser has proposed minimum hourly wages of between 21 and 23 next year depending on the location. For the record, Kaiser Permanente reported $2.1 billion in net income for this year's second quarter on more than $25 billion in operating revenue, which works out to about an 8% profit margin. Historically, the average business runs about a 6% margin. An extra 2 percentage points is not a lot of leeway when hiring needs to be accomplished. Hospitals in general have struggled in recent years with high labor costs, staffing shortages, and rising levels of uncompensated care, which all goes back to the pandemic. Most of their revenue is fixed, coming from government-funded programs like Medicare and Medicaid, which, I might add, is what drives health care costs up. Read my book, The Independent Libertarian, to find out why. He also said that means revenue growth is only possible by increasing volumes, which is difficult even under the best of circumstances. And that is why there is a medical procedure for everything that doesn't require one. Again, read my book. California's cure-all, of course, is more money. A bill that would increase the minimum wage for the state's 455,000 healthcare workers to 25 an hour over the next decade is in the works. Well, at least they'll make more than the fast food workers in that state, which you understand is comical if you heard last week's podcast. And number five, last but not least, news story number five is now available on my blog page at newsfolder19.com. Please give it a read. And if you like what you hear and read, click on the buy me a coffee link while you are there. With that, let's call it another podcast. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in.